You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, where it's all about helping you grow your Denver real estate portfolio. Here's your host, Chris Lopez. You're listening to episode nine of the Ultimate House Hacking Guide in Denver. So today we're talking about building your real estate investing team to help you start buying house hack properties. So in addition to me, Joe, and Jeff, I have one more guest on this recording, and that's Preston Newberry. All right, here's the show. Enjoy. Great. Well, thank you guys for being here with me, and we will jump into it. So who do you need on your team? Now, again, this is specific for house hacking. I mean, I wanted to cover this because if you go onto Google or on the bigger pockets, you often get a huge laundry list of, you know, all these experts you need on your team. Well, you know, for house hacking and during speaking to go out there and buy your, de- you know, a investment property in Denver, you know, you don't need to have a roofer, a mold expert, a concrete person. You don't need all these people lined up, but there's a few people you definitely do. So going through them uh, in no particular order, obviously you need a real estate agent, as we discussed in previous modules. The you know 100% of all the house hacking transactions we've done have been on the MLS. All of just properties that he's purchased have been on the MLS. And Joe, I believe you said now the hundreds of house hacking transactions you've done, all but one was on the MLS, right? Yeah, I know one person that got a wholesale deal. Yeah. Um, other than that, all on the MLS. So 99.999% of deals, give or take a percent there, uh, is going to be on the MLS. Now, Press, let me ask you this. Because um, you know some people might say, hey, I don't need a real estate agent. I'm going to go out there and just you know look on Zillow or Redfin and contact the listing agent on properties I like directly. Tell us about that. Is that a good idea or not good idea? Uh, I personally think that it's not a great idea. And that's not just because I'm a real estate agent. But at the end of the day, you want to have somebody in your corner, right? So... You know, the idea of having a real estate agent, you know, is somebody that's going to represent you and has your best interests at heart. They know uh, the ins and outs of the real estate transaction and are there to protect you and your earnest money. And also, you know, make sure that you're making all the right moves throughout your real estate, uh, you know, portfolio and uh, building all that stuff up. So I I definitely think it's good to have a a coach in your corner rather than, you know, as we like to say, a referee, um, you know, just kind of helping you get through the transaction. So it's definitely better to have somebody there to help represent you and have your best interests in in line. But won't people save money if they don't have an agent? Not here in Colorado. Um, I would say 95 to 99% of all real estate transactions, the commissions are paid for by the seller. So that's the really nice thing about uh, doing real estate in Colorado is that uh, when a seller lists their house and puts it on the MLS, they always put the uh, buying agent co-op in there. So it's not going to cost you any money uh, to use our services. Great. And so another person in your team is a lender. As we've talked about, I have yet to meet any house hackers go out there and buy a house hack living all cash. And that's because it, it kind of defeats the purpose of house hacking. If you can go out there and buy a $400,000 house all cash, well, honestly, you're better off using $4,000 and go out there and buy a uh, you know a 12-unit apartment building instead of leverage up. Because as we've discussed in quite a few modules, the reason we like house hacking is because we can put you know 0% down, 3.5% down, or 5% down, but then that lender is going to give us that other 95 to 100% of the money. So you definitely want a lender uh, in your corner, and I would definitely recommend that you have a lender that's familiar with house hacking. Now we'll go into a lot more details on here as far as like how to find an agent, how to find a lender. Um, but Joe, in terms of house hacking, 
should, in terms of any investing, should people talk to a lender where in the process, uh, at the beginning, after their contract? Like, when should people start talking to you? I think really early on, you know, so once you've decided, hey, I want to buy a new property and you start talking with your real estate agent, um, the very next step is to talk with your lender. And a lot of people will call me and we'll chat for a few minutes. They're like, well, you know, I'm not looking to buy anything for nine months. So I'll call you back in, you know, eight months. Okay, that's fine. That's certainly an option. But one of the things that you want to look at with your lender is my job is to tell you what you can truly qualify for. My job is to also tell you if there's any problems. And so you want to call me back in eight months and you want to buy a property, you know, 30 days after that, that's a hundred percent fine. But what if we pull your credit? What if we go through your income? What if we find a problem right there? You've only got two, three, four weeks to fix that problem for you to buy your house on time. What if we take a look at your application today and I find a problem and I say, Hey, there's a problem with your income for this reason, or there's a problem with your assets or the problem with your credit. Um, I can go ahead and identify that problem right now. Now you have eight months to solve whatever that problem is, and you're not under the gun uh, trying to solve it right when you're trying to buy a new property. So I think the sooner, the better. Um, and we'll talk about that a lot more in depth, but sooner certainly is, is uh, ideal in my world. Uh, Press and I would 100% agree with you, and that is one of the first steps you always want to do is the lending side. So another person you want on your team is an inspector. What's that, Preston? So this is going to be a home inspector, Chris, and this is somebody that, you know, once you get under contract, is going to go in and evaluate the property. And this is what they do all day, every day. They're an expert in their field, just like your real estate agent, your lender. Um, And these are people that you're going to rely on to go in and help you determine if there's any major issues with the house, you know, anything going on, um, inspect the sewer line, the roof, all the stuff inside the house. And it can be a little bit daunting to kind of think about doing that by yourself. So we always, always recommend to have yourself, um, you know, again, somebody else in your corner that's going to help you with that and, and help you succeed. So having a home inspector um, that you trust and know and has experience doing this is definitely something that you want to have. So Jeff, let me ask you a question here. When you've gone out there and you've bought your properties, I mean, how many inspectors did you interview before you went under contract? Uh, I've looked, uh, I did a, my first one, it was two of them. And I trusted uh, actually the advice of the realtor I used at the time because of his experience. Um, and then actually the inspector was really good. Um, so I think, yeah, you just you kind of want to get a feel because a lot of them have the 20, 30 years experience. You'll get a lot of the similar things in the report because they'll make every report look like a new house look like the it's going to blow up. So <laughs> yes. that's just yep. the reality <laughs> of every inspection report. Um, but it's just like who who do you is comfortable who are you comfortable with and like who do you think um, like if you have any follow up questions and specific issues that would be able to respond in a timely manner and you know maybe be able to communicate well with you on top of that. And I would say in here, um, you know, this is something you definitely want to, I would say, lean on your real estate agent for, you know, Press and I, we have our go-to inspectors we use. And that's because, you know, we do a lot of inspections. We've worked with inspectors and we know the ones we really like. And that's because they do a great job. They're quick. They're there to help us with follow-up questions, you know, other issues, whatever we need, they're there. So this is something that you as a house hacker you do not need to go out there, or I would recommend you don't need to go out there and spend a bunch of time, mental energy researching inspectors and you know interviewing five before you go under contract. 
I, I would recommend, you know, relying on your list agent or if you've got, you know, friends who are savvy investors talking with them. But I think your best source for real estate or a referral on the inspector is definitely your real estate agent. So that is one like you need, but you don't need to worry about it kind of like in the early stages of your house hacking uh, journey. The last one is an insurance broker. As we'll talk about, I think in the next module or module after that, uh, you know, insurance is definitely one of the steps in the contract used here in Colorado. And so every time you go under contract on a property, uh, you have to go out there and get an insurance quote. And one of the reasons is, you know, lenders like Joe, you guys require insurance. Why is that? Well, if we're going to buy a home for $400,000, so we're going to lend you, let's say, $380,000. And what if uh, the day after you move in, the, that home burns down? Um, if you don't have insurance, well, you still have to pay us $380,000 on a house that's no longer there. Um, so that's not very good for the buyer or for us as the lender. So we're going to require that there's an insurance policy that covers at least the principal balance of the loan uh, or at least the cost to rebuild that property. So if something happens, property burns down, hey, no problem. Insurance is going to rebuild that property and get it back to a livable state or pay off the loan. Um, so there's a lot of options, but you definitely have to have the property insured if you're taking out a new loan. Now, for most people, a lot of people already have an insurance broker. If you like your insurance broker, stick with them. Um, and also, you know, once you're in a contract, a good resources for referrals are definitely your agent and also your lender. Um, you know, both of those individuals or both of those professionals see a lot of insurance policies, insurance brokers. So if you have one you like, definitely talk to your agent or your lender. So me, Preston, and Joe to get referrals for insurance agents because we, you know, we have some good ones and we know who can you know, who knows the world of rental properties as well, especially when you're looking at house hacks, rental properties, some agents are most familiar with those than other agents. So you want an agent that knows that game. So really beyond that, those are the four main professionals you need on your team for house hacking. Um, do you guys think you need to get a general contractor lined up? I would say no. I would say no. Um, I think, you know, from experience working with clients, I mean, you know, you're going to go through the inspection side of things. And if, if things pop up at that point, you know, you're going to want to, you know, chat with the inspector. They're going to have some thoughts. Obviously, you know, us as real estate agents, we see a lot of stuff. And if it comes down to it and there's major issues or problems that we need to involve a GC, then at that point, you know, we can kind of reach out and give you some some options and referrals and, and help there. But I wouldn't say that it's necessarily somebody you need to have, uh, you know, on the clock right right away. Yeah, and I would 100% agree with that, especially since we're not going out there and doing, you know, crazy, uh, you know, rehabs on properties. And a lot of times when we do have the inspection come up, it's items that are specific to electrical or sewer. So we call out a sewer company or a master electrician or a roofer to come out and look at things. And so those are more specific trades versus a general contractor. So I would I would recommend you don't need to put a lot of mental energy into there because when items pop up on the inspection report, and I say when, not if, because they almost always pop up, when they pop up on the inspection report, we can help you out with some trusted professionals that we worked in the past that can uh, be prompt and help you get quotes and figure out what's going on. So let's move into here. I have a little side story for you. you oh, uh, go ahead. Preston and Chris, uh, at, when we did the showing at um, your new investment property, Chris, the contractor that was there to, I guess, take measurements and the one that was going to fix things, actually talked to him and um, he gave me a referral, a guy he used to work with for 20 years, um, who kind of is like a, a GC, basically, um, but could do everything himself. Or if he can't, he has people he knows he could do. 
um, on my side of town. So it, uh, that tells you, um, talking to other people, um, you never know what you'll find and they might know someone really good. And he's done a couple things over here. And, uh, so far has been a good contractor. Oh, good. And good hats know. off to you for being proactive and thinking about that because, so what Jeff is referring to about two months ago, I was uh, under contract in a condo that I bought for a rental property. So during my, basically my inspection window, uh, we went and looked at it. Then I also had like 10 clients come over and look at it. And my property manager looked at it. She also brought her, I guess, general contractor to do a few things around the, uh, the property. And Jeff, I bet you're the only person there asked that guy for a referral or a business card. So hats off yeah. to you. <laughs> Thanks. Because <laughs> he was literally in there just like taking measurements and trying to figure out what to do. And there's like 15 people in there bumping elbows. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So we're going to go through uh, the two first bullet points, which are the real estate agent and the lender on some specific things that you want to look for uh, on what you need to do. Because really the agent and the lender are the two professionals you need lined up before we start getting serious about house hacking. As you said earlier, the inspector, the insurance agent, they are critical roles, but often they come into play once we're under contract. So I'm going to start going through this stuff and guys just jump in here with your thoughts. So uh, Press and I sat down earlier and started putting together a list of questions that you want to look for in the agent. And this is based off of, you know, what we do working with clients and we're trying to be as unbiased as possible, but also just what other people tell us. Because a lot of times clients say, hey, like, you know, I, I used my agent who helped me buy my first home, you know, six years ago and they were, they were great. Um, but then I started talking to about investment properties and house hacking and they kind of looked at me like a deer in headlights. And they tried to help me out, but they had nothing to do. So I, I wanted to seek out people that, hey, this is your niche you specialize in. So this should go without saying, I would definitely look for an agent with experience in investment properties, you know, rental properties, house hacks, ideally house hacks. Uh, but, you know, knowing the investment world is definitely a critical thing because buying your, while you're buying a primary residence, you're really buying a future rental property. And you want an agent that understands the rental market and what makes or breaks a good rental property. Now, Preston, when we're out showing properties a lot, and I mean, you know, we're doing our, you know, our uh, a tour for a new client, a new investor on a few rental properties. What are some of the things that come up in conversations that you know they didn't even realize to look for an investment property as you're out looking at properties? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that come into play, Chris. And, you know, whenever you're out looking at properties and, and you have an agent that, you know, understands the investment side of things, it, it really comes down to, you know, hey, let's look at this property through the, the rental set of glasses, right? You know, because you're going to want to look for things, um, you know, that are going to come up, you know, hey, how much is this room going to rent for? Or, oh, hey, you know, look, there's, you know, one bathroom, but there's four bedrooms on the same floor. How is that going to work for the house hacking kind of thing? Um, you know, and just different ways that you look at a property and how it's going to perform with tenants in it versus one that you're going to live in for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, right? So, um, you know, kind of being able to look at a property through the way it's going to perform and operate and, you know, just the flow of the property is a big thing when it comes to the house hacking side of things, especially if you're going to, um, you know, rent the rent the property room by room versus, you know, having tenants on the upper floor and you living in the basement or vice versa. Those are all things that you got to kind of take into, into account and perspective when you're walking through and looking at a property as opposed to one that you're just going to, you know, live in and, and is going to be your primary residence for, for a long time. 
Well said. And we also, you know, another thing that we do and other investor friendly agents do is that if you're a newer home buyer or newer investor, oftentimes it's not uncommon to see an investor get really excited about a property. Like, oh, I love this. Or, oh my gosh, there's a hot tub. And we're like, hey, we don't want to rate your parade here, but like, we need to remove some emotion from here and look at the pro- rental property. And so we often help separate that excitement that comes in from buying a great place to turning into, hey, How's this pan out into a long-term rental property? So make sure you have an agent that knows that game. Um, and part of understanding investment properties is that they study market trends, data, rental properties, what's going on, what are the up-and-coming areas, where are the areas with good values. Hey, where are those pockets of houses that have a, a great layout uh, that we know that are very conducive to house hacking? So there's lots of these little trends and data that you want your agent to know. So make sure they're on top of that. Uh, and I would also recommend that they have a program in place or a process in place, I should say, for making sure that you get educated on becoming an investor and creating a strategy. And this is something that we spend a lot of time on up front with our clients is not just, hey, let's go look at properties right away. That's something we do after we do a few steps. And that's because we want to set people up for success in the long run and help them figure out what their strategy is. Because frankly, it makes everyone's life easier when it comes time to look at properties, put offers in. Because if you have your criteria and your strategy more dialed in, well, that means we know what to look for and allows us to write very competitive offers. And then also what that does is that minimizes uh, you know, buyer's remorse or buyer's regret. Great, you buy a property, then three months later you realize, hey, that's not the right property for me, or oh man, I took the wrong direction on there. So I would definitely, you know, look for having that support and the help to make sure you can get your strategy in place. Uh, Full time versus part time. So this is a, a fairly common theme right now, or at least it was before the coronavirus pandemic. You know, when the kind of the, the saying with real estate is when times are good. You know, every every person gets a real estate license, and then when the market corrects, you know, I don't know, twenty five percent of those people drop off their license because they can get their money. You know, when it's easy, when the market's hot, and people are buying out there. Uh, but Preston, you work with a lot of agents on you know the negotiating side and putting offers in. Can you kind of give your experience as to when you work with a professional full time agent on the back end versus a part time agent? Like, what do you see the difference on that end? Yeah, I think the big thing with that, Chris, is you can always tell when you're working with an experienced agent on the other side. And, you know, obviously it takes time for everybody to gain experience, but a lot of it comes down to, you know, knowing that both agents have clients that want to close on a property and get to the finish line and being able to negotiate and work through all the little things and and things that come up as you move through a real estate transaction with a level head and remove the emotion and just, you know, really get down to the facts and and figure out what it's going to take to make this deal um, you know, come together as opposed to, you know, some inexperienced agents that, you know, maybe don't have quite the, the uh, toolkit to make those things work. And so, you know, oftentimes uh, you find yourself kind of working with a, a myriad of uh, different level of, of agents. And so it's just, you know, one of those things that having an experienced agent, somebody that's in this full time all the time is really going to play to your advantage, especially when it comes time to writing competitive offers, you know, getting through all the hard parts of the transaction and negotiating, you know, for you and your best interests. And, you know, we've had a handful of clients, um, you know, hey, we meet with people, we meet and, you know, whatever, we follow up with them and they kind of, we just stop talking and they kind of get a radio sign on us. And a few times those people like two or three months later have emailed us back and said, hey guys, I'm under contract on a property and I'm under the inspection. My agent know what to do. I, I have no idea what to do. Can you help me out? And our response is, no, we can't. I mean, first off, like, you're just because it's your agent. So like, you know, I'm generally like, don't have a lot of like, 
you know, love loss for those people, to be very blunt. Um, but also, like, we are not allowed to do that against the rules. And they're like, oh, well, I'm like, hey, you should have gone with us. Like, well, you know, my wife's sister just got a real estate license. I want to support her. I said, great. Well, you, you're getting that then, like, support her. We can help you out. Congratulations. Your wife's sister is now the expert walking you through this transaction. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, you know, I definitely get fired up about that, but also like just be very frank with people like that is something I look for because, you know, this is not like, oh, cool, I'm gonna go get a haircut and spend 30 bucks. This is, hey, you're buying a $400,000 asset, get a team in place that's not going to just screw it up or minimize the likelihood of screwing it up. Um, I would also ask for, hey, can you see some recent deal analyses from investment products or house hacks? Hey, what are some recent transactions you've closed? What are the numbers like? You know, all this stuff. Um, I don't, you know, personally, like I'm not a big fan of Zillow reviews and those websites. Uh, you know, they're definitely good there. But hey, we're talking investor stuff. Get fa- data, get facts. Hey, what are some recent deals you've deals you've closed uh, that you can share with me? Walk me through numbers, walk me through the properties, and make sure you understand what types of deals they've closed. If they haven't closed any rental property deals or house act deals, that might be a red flag for you. Um, another question to ask or to know about is, Hey, what's the offer to under contract percentage? And Preston, you, uh, you keep track of some of this data and you were telling us a while ago, or you told me a month or two ago that our percentage is about 95%. So what that means is if we write a hundred offers to clients out there, or I'm sorry, to other listing agents out there, uh, we have about 95 of those accepted. Now we don't while we don't have any like hard data from you know the market to see what's the industry average on there, uh, we often hear from buyers or our you know new clients or from just other agents we work with that like, oh, you know, I've been spending the last three months and I've put eight offers in with no results. Uh, yeah, that's not a good trend. I've never had a client like that press something we've ever had anything nearly that bad where we put eight offers in, have we? No, not, not that I can recall, Chris. I think, you know, uh, I can recall a few instances where we've had clients, you know, maybe three or four properties at most. And, you know, two of those kind of fell out just due to inspection items. So it was kind of like, all right, cool, on to the next one. And so, you know, I think that that just goes to show that having um, an agent that's going to walk you through the process and allow you to write competitive offers and also be a professional on the other side is really going to be to your benefit. And it's going to allow you to act a lot quicker and reach your goals a lot sooner. And another thing I would look at is just, hey, what's your, you know, what's your percentage for getting deals to the closing table? And by deals, I mean, hey, once you're in a contract, how many of those properties go under contract, get to the closing table? So the average in the Denver market, according to some stats off the MLS, is about 80% of properties that are under contract go to the closing table. Uh, our ratio currently is about 92%. And, you know, I think that's a combination of that. We do a good job of getting our buyer's criteria dialed in. They have their financing lined up. Uh, we also are very good at, you know, looking at properties and having them pass initial sniff tests so we can help avoid any issues. And all this stuff helps us minimizing, you know, having to cancel the contract for a buyer's remorse or it's a wrong decision. But also we're, you know, really good at structuring offers. We're also really good at handling the inspection objection or inspection items, uh, both in negotiating with the seller and also getting our client, hey, don't get hung up on this little thing here. We're getting the two big items taken care of. Don't worry about the 500 item over here. So we're also good at helping to put the big picture in perspective. So ask, you know, hey, how many, what percentage of deals do you get the closing table? And uh, kind of 
couple last things is just what's your industry reputation? And we'll talk more about this in the lending section with Joe because Joe's a great reputation. Uh, Press and I have a great, great reputation. I mean, we're under contract actually on two properties right now. Uh, one's a condo and one's a house. And I mean, Preston, share the story in the condo because that's an interesting one. So the condo that we currently have under contract, Chris, and I really think this just goes to show, you know, and, and talk to the reputation that we do have in the industry is a property that had been under contract uh, twice. Um, and both times we had clients that, you know, wrote offers. And unfortunately, we didn't get them. But that was mostly due to the fact that, you know, the, the seller was looking for the highest and best price. They had just done a flip on it and they really wanted to, to maximize their, uh, you know, their take-home money. So at the end of the day, they ended up falling out twice because both of those buyers couldn't perform. And, you know, sure enough, I get the phone call, hey, you know, we know you have some clients that are interested and we'd really like to do a deal with you. We know you're going to get this deal done. Um, and, you know, as hard as it was for that agent, I'm sure to make that phone call at the end of the day, it was kind of rewarding to know that we've, we've got that reputation and we've got, uh, got the ability to make those things happen and working with lending partners like Joe and his team over there, you know, just add to, you know, again, the team atmosphere and knowing that you are going to take your clients and get to the finish line. And so, you know, we're closing on that condo in a couple of days and the agent is super excited and really pleased uh, to be able to work with us again. And the last thing I will share on looking for an agent is just, hey, how does it look like once you start working with that agent? And something that we're different on, this was just kind of evolved out of what feels like thus the best way to work deals, work with the clients, is we take very much a team-centric approach to working with clients and getting deals done, where most real estate agents, they are, you know, they're a a one-man or one-woman show, and they do an amazing job, but it's really, you know, one person doing everything with our team. We typically have three or four people involved in the whole client process and deal process. And that's because I have my strengths. Preston has his strengths. Our other team members have their strengths. And what we believe in is that it's really hard to be a, a great at all those trades. You know, what's the saying? A, a master of all or a jack of all, a master of none. So I play to my strengths. Preston plays to his strengths. Katie plays to her strengths. Jessica plays to her strengths. And guess what? We all get a lot more done that way. It's a better experience for the client. And we are just much more efficient that way. And we've heard very good client feedback that way as well. So understand how it works with the agent you're working with. Again, we tend to take more of the team approach just because it just seems to get a lot more stuff done. So uh, you guys got any things to add on here before we move on to lending? No, I think this is great. Cool. So Joe, this is going to be a lot of you... uh, a lot directed to you now. Uh, the second side of the coin here, or the second professional, I should say, you want to make sure you have lined up as you get serious about house hacking is uh, your lender. And again, this is just as your real estate agent is a partner in your journey, so is a lender. Uh, he or she is critical in helping you get the deal done. And they can, most people don't realize this, but the lender you work with often do a lot more behind the scenes and help a lot more with the transaction than most people realize. So, Joe, I would definitely say, you know, like we said earlier, you want a lender who has experience with investing and house hacking because something that trips up people sometimes is that house hacking, investing, it's a chess game. We're not just looking to buy a property today, but hey, what happens when we want to buy our, our next house hack in 18 months? And then two years after that, how does that look? And Joe, I have no idea what it's like on the lending world, but I mean, can you speak on this? How many lenders are familiar with house hacking and investing? Um, you know, I'm sure there's there's other lenders that do it. I don't know that we're the only people that specialize in it, but I'll give you a good example. Um, what if you go to a lender, and there's some lenders in Denver right now 
that require a minimum 20% down on every property. And so you go to them and you say, hey, you know what? I've saved up $100,000 and I want to buy my first house hack. And then I want to purchase some additional properties in the future. And they say, okay, great. Well, we're going to require a minimum 20% down. And so you go out and you find uh, a $400,000 property. You put $80,000 down and then you have $20,000 in the bank. Okay, great. You've got your first property. You're house hacking. You've moved in your roommates. And then you go back to them and say, okay, it's been a year. I want to buy my next property. And they say, great. You're going to need to have uh, 20% down. And you've managed to save up another $10,000. And now you've only got uh, $30,000 in your savings account. And so you're looking at 20% down and you're like, wow, can I really only buy a $120,000 property or $130,000 property? That doesn't, that doesn't seem like very much. That doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So you want to make sure that you've got a lender in mind that is not going to have you spend all of your down payment on your first property. They're not going to uh, trip you up with various requirements or various um, you know, occupancy requirements. You know, Some lenders maybe require you to live in the property two years or three years or whatever their requirements might be. You want to make sure you're working with a lender that understands the, long, the long-term strategy of what you're trying to do. And then you know, I love this, a direct lender or a mortgage broker. Um, so my company, we're a direct lender. We deal directly with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, and VA. Um, I obviously do that, and, and I think it's the right way to go. But that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with being a mortgage broker. I was a mortgage broker for the first six or seven years of my career. And there's pros and cons to it. You know, one of the benefits there is they're going to work with a lot of different lenders. Um, one of the downsides is they're going to pull your credit maybe four, five, six, seven times. Um, one of the benefits is they may have access to uh, some sort of you know crazy program that nobody's ever heard of um, through some third-party lender that that we're not familiar with. So they might have some flexibility there. Um, but then when you're adding middlemen into the transaction, you may get additional costs or you may get additional. Uh, requirements. I like to be a direct lender because we cut out all the middlemen and we work directly with the folks that are providing the money, which Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA, and VA. Um, again, though, being a mortgage broker, there's some benefits to it. So you're just going to want to interview your your lender, your loan officer, and find out, are they a direct lender? Are they a broker? What are the pros and cons of that? And then how do they underwrite their pre-approvals? This is something that we do that I think is pretty unique um, that once we go through your application, we're going to ask for all of your information, paycheck stubs, tax returns, W-2s, uh, bank statements. And we're going to go through and we're going to complete a full underwriting on your pre-approval. So I'm going to review it. My team's going to review it. Our underwriters are going to review it. And we're going to say, yes, uh, Mr. Client, you are ready to go. You are fully approved as an individual. The only things that we still need to give you a final approval is a purchase contract for the property that you want to buy a appraisal on the property that you want to buy and a title commitment for the property that you want to buy. So you've gone as far as you can, Mr. Client. The next thing is we just need the property. So Preston, let me put you on the spot for a second. If you and I are making an offer and uh, your client is only pre-qualified and your lender has not reviewed any of your information and my client is fully pre-approved and we've reviewed all of the information, which one of us is going to have a stronger offer? Absolutely, the pre-approval and you know, listing agents, sellers—they're all going to see that. They want to know, especially that a buyer has been, you know, underwritten and fully pre-approved, and the lender knows, hey, they're good to go. They've got their down payment funds. They've got good job security. They ran their credit. Um, you know, everything has been double-checked so that we know that we have a much greater success of getting to the closing table with this buyer 
rather than somebody who's just been pre-qualified and hasn't been underwritten um, and who knows what may trip them up whenever they go to actually underwrite the file and go through all those documents on, on a client or a buyer. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something too, that when we make the offer, so let's say Preston and I are working together and he's the agent, I'm the lender, and he sends in that offer to you know the listing agent. He's going to copy me on that. Back to what Chris was talking about working as a team, Preston's going to copy me on that offer. When I see it go over, I'm going to know that that's my signal to reach out to the listing agent, introduce myself, talk about the fact that the client is pre-approved. And what does that mean to us? We've completed our underwriting. We've verified all their information, et cetera, that makes this a much stronger offer and a much more solid uh, contract than somebody that hasn't gone through all those steps. So I think that's really important. And then, you know, the next tab here... The other thing, yeah. one, one sec, was that, you know, oftentimes lenders will have different guidelines for what they issue for their pre-approvals and for their pre-underwriting stuff. And so having a lender that's going to go through all that with the agent on the other side and explain all that, I think is key. Um, yeah. And that just goes back to what Joe said, you know, having somebody on your team that, you know, has that reputation and, and knows what they're doing and, and is going to talk the other agent through that because not every pre-approval, not every pre-qualification is the same from every lender. So... Yep. I think that's such a great point. You know, a lot of times, and I know this happens to to you guys as real estate agents, it seems like, oh, real estate agents are all the same. Oh, lenders are all the same. Um, they're not. Everybody's different. And that's kind of what the point of this module is to make sure you understand what are the pros and cons of who you're getting and who you're working with. So I think you're, you're spot on that we really want to, you know, show the listing agent, hey, these are the steps the buyer's been through. This is why this buyer should stand out and why you should take their offer seriously and the way we do that is what helps us get under contract 95% of the time, which is, is industry leading. Um, the next point on here, in-house underwriting. You know, If you're a broker, you're sending the, the file out to a third party to underwrite it. Um, some direct lenders still send out their loan files to a third party to underwrite it. What we do at Castle & Cook Mortgage, we have underwriters on staff that underwrite right in-house. So we're not having to go out to... Uh, a third party where you know we don't have a relationship to get an answer on a transaction. I work very closely with my underwriters every single day. I've been on vacation with my underwriters. So if we have a question or we have something that's in a gray area, it's very, very easy for us to get a direct answer on that, which is important for our pre-approvals. Um, one thing we didn't touch on is our pre-approval percentage. We have a 100% uh, pre-approval uh, rate. Now, that doesn't mean that every client that's called us gets pre-approved. That's not correct. What I mean for our 100% pre-approval rate is that if we've given you a pre-approval, your loan will close. The industry average is only 78%. That means that 78% of people that go under contract actually get approved and actually close on the transaction. 22% get turned down by their lender after going under contract. And for us here on our team, we take that really, really serious that if you're going to go under contract... It's never going to be your loan is the reason why you don't close. Now, we might do an inspection and you might find something you don't like about the house and it needs a new roof and you decide to cancel. Hey, that's fine. But it's never going to be me calling you back and saying, you know what, Mr. Client, um, we didn't do our, our due diligence up front and we didn't check to make sure uh, that you actually have a job. There's never going to be a reason that we're going to call you back and turn you down after we've given you that pre-approval. We take that very, very seriously. Then the next one, communication. Um, this is something that is very important with us as well. Buying a home is a stressful time. Um, you know, we've got guys on here. Jeff's done it several times 
Chris has bought homes. Preston's bought homes. I bought homes. No matter how good you are and how many times you've done it, it is stressful, right? Especially if this is the first time you're buying a property or maybe the second time, it's a stressful transaction. So one of the things that we do is make sure that we are very clear with the client that we're going to email them uh, updates with a video update. We're also going to call every week. We call every client that we're under contract with every Tuesday. We update the client, the buyer's agent, and the listing agent. And that is the number one piece of feedback that we get on our client surveys is they felt like they were always in the loop. There was never a black hole that they didn't know what was going on. And that is one way that we try to minimize that stress you're experiencing when you're buying a new house. And then this next one, this is really um, applicable right now. Does your lender have a disaster recovery plan? Um, Our team, we do. Everybody can work from home. Uh, We've got laptops. We've got multiple computer monitors. We've got cell phones. Everything for us, we're set up that in the event of a snow day, uh, everyone can stay home and business moves forward just like like normal. Um, Right now, during the COVID-19 crisis, it's just been an extended snow day for us. Nothing has tripped up in our business. We're moving forward. We're still closing transactions as quickly as eight days. Um, We've not had any delays in transactions because our disaster recovery plan has been thought out years ago. And when there was a a pandemic, a natural disaster in the United States, we implemented that plan and moved forward. So I think that's going to be an important question to ask your, your loan officer or your lender. And then the last one, you know, what is that track record? I kind of touched on this before with our pre-approval track record. Um, You know, we have a 100% pre-approval rate that if we've given you a pre-approval, you get under contract, that transaction is going to close. The only reason it would not close is if you decide, hey, you know what? I don't like the house. The, the couch isn't going to fit in the living room. Okay, well, that's fine. We're going to cancel on that property and go find another one. Or maybe you find something wrong with the inspection. Hey, you know what? There's uh, aluminum wiring throughout the house. and We're worried about fire hazards. So that's an issue. Hey, no problem. Um, but you're going to want to ask that. You're going to want to ask that for whoever you're interviewing uh, to be your lender to make sure they've got that good, clean track record. that They're going to get you through to the closing. Um, Preston, what else would you add to look for in a lender? Um, you know, I think that's one of the big things, Joe, and, you know, working with you guys and your team is going to be the communication side of it, because even coming from a buyer's agent, you know, we want to make sure that everything is moving along. As you said, this is a stressful for time for everybody and having clear communication between all the parties, I think is probably one of the biggest keys to success that we've had with our clients, you know, is implementing, you know, success, uh, communication plans with everybody involved and, um, you know, making sure the lenders are part of that. And, you know, communicating with everybody. So I think that's probably one of the biggest keys right there um, that I always have to stress to everybody. Yeah. Jeff, what about you? You've done transactions with us. What else do you think that that folks should be looking for in a lender? Anything I missed? I mean, this definitely covers the majority um, of the things to look for. And the along Preston's lines is, yeah, the consistent communication to know where things are at. Like every time I've worked with um, um, Castle and Cook, basically, it's I, I don't have a question like of where things are at because you guys are on top of the ball and keep things moving. And even when there is no update, you update with the no update. So that's nice. Yeah, I'll <laughs> and, call you and be like, hey, no, no news. Everything's still exactly. on track, right? So you're not left like wondering, okay, did, uh, did something happen in underwriting that you know, I don't know about is the loan going to fall through? Um, Where's my appraisal? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you're always in the loop. And that's, I would say that's probably the, the biggest difference between your, your organization and uh, other ones I've dealt with in the past is I don't have any questions throughout the process because you already answer all the questions. 
And then, of course, track record is a very important one. Um, I didn't know you closed at high, such a high rate from pre-approval. That's uh, something I think people should ask that to prospective lenders when they go out to find the best one. What is your close rate? What, how, how often do pre-approvals turn into a loan? Because um, uh, that could weed out a lot of different um, other direct lenders and uh, mortgage brokers. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a key one other thing, thing, Joe. That, that just kind of crossed my mind. Um, you know, that I think is really important is to make sure that your client, uh, when they're selecting a lender, ask the lender what their all-in costs are. You know, that's a big one right there. Is what is this loan going to cost me? Not just the interest rate, but all the closing fees, the loan fees, you know, appraisals, all that kind of stuff. You know, and those vary so much from lender to lender that I think that that's probably another really important thing that uh, that anybody should want to talk with their their prospective lenders about. That's a great point. I 100% agree. And I'll jump here on that. Like, I know, you know, as investors, we always want things as cheap as possible. Uh, but I'll say we we have seen uh, investors make this mistake where they go with the cheapest lender because, oh, someone can be an eighth of a point lower. You know, no matter what profession, there's always someone that'll do it cheaper, agent, inspector, insurance agent, lender, or whatever. Uh, you know, I always say keep that in mind, but also... I'm much more willing to, I want to say, hey, who's going to get the job done? And price is secondary to me. And when it comes to doing transactions, especially in the current market we're in, which is a seller's market, you know, pre-COVID-19, current COVID-19, we're in a seller's market. Uh, you want to make sure you have professionals that get the job done. And this is not, in my mind, the time to go out there and pinch pennies. Like, hey, cool, you can save 20 bucks here. No, make sure you go with the team that can actually get you the finish line. Yeah, if you can save 20 bucks, but you can't close the transaction, Guess what? You're still a tenant. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, guys. Well, that will wrap up uh, this module. Uh, so how can we help or how can we help you, I should say? Uh, as I've mentioned in the past, all of our contact details are on the show notes. You can always go to denverinvestmentrealestate.com slash help. You have our contact details. Reach out to us. You all know what we do. We're here to help you. Uh, Joe, Jeff, Preston, anything we forgot to talk about before we wrap up this one? Not for me. All good. No, I think we're good, Chris. I think we had a lot of really good, uh, really good content there. So hopefully, uh, all of our clients and people listening will uh, reach out and ask us any any questions they have, and we're always here, happy to help. Great. Well, everyone, thank you for listening. If you guys have questions on any of this stuff, please reach out to us. You know, our whole goal, all of our goals here, the way we run our businesses, is we're all very, uh, you know, education oriented, consultative oriented, and wanting to build relationships. And so we're always happy to help you out with advice we can give you uh, because we know, hey, that usually leads to a transaction down the road or something like that. But we're always happy to give you advice. So if you're not sure what to do, or you got questions, reach out to us and we will give you uh, the best advice we can in the current situation. So thank you for listening. Joe, Preston, Jeff, thank you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Hey, thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Now, if you have any questions or need clarification, shoot me an email. Or if you want to grab a physical book copy of the Ultimate House Hacking Guide, also send me an email. My email is chris at denverinvestmentrealestate.com. A couple other services that we offer, if you need help putting together your investment plan and buying your first or your next house hacking property, reach out to me. That's what we specialize in. If you need help with lending and financing, reach out to Joe Massey. That's his specialty. 
And if you need help in stabilizing and operating your house hack property, reach out to Jeff White as that's his specialty. Now, all their contact details in the show notes. If you have trouble finding them or you just want to keep it simple, shoot me an email. I'm happy to answer all your questions and also connect you with Joe, Jeff, or whoever you need to talk to. All right. We'll see you next episode.